You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. A fill-in-the-blank sheet, okay? We do need some down here, Brother Dickinson. Anyone else looking around here? I see three there, and then one over here. All right, keep those hands raised if you would. One more there. We'll, we'll get it to you, pal. All right. Anybody else? Fill in the blank sheet. Anyone want a coloring page? Just something to do during the preaching? Or Okay. It sounds weird in here without air on in the front. I'm used to always having air on and... And uh, so just to update you, there is no update. The parts are still on back order as they have been for a long time. And and, uh, thankfully, it's like 10 degrees cooler down there where you are than it is up here. I'm already drenched in sweat, but hey, we'll have a good time anyway. But uh, James chapter 1, who needs a pen? Anyone need a pen tonight? Okay, a donut. Let me run out and get you a donut. All right, Brother Oscar, sounds good. All right. You have to wait till after church. Never mind. <laughs> but uh, uh, chapter uh, James chapter one, and uh, I'm I'm excited to teach this lesson tonight because of what we're doing here with uh, the the series that we're in about dig in. And I'm looking at the clock, and I really think I will have you out early tonight um, because I want to get you out early because I still have by the time I get you out four hours left to celebrate my birthday, and so. I want to get you out of here so that really I can get me out of here. And uh, no, I'm, I'm halfway kidding. And, uh, but I get to go home and have our strawberry shortcake. That's my cake. It's, it's just strawberry shortcake. I love this. So we're going to have a good time there. James chapter 1 in your Bible. And uh, our theme verse for this has been for, uh, 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And we're trying to encourage everyone to get in the scriptures and to dig in. But oftentimes, we come to church and we never hear how to do that and, and, or tips on how to do that. And let me just remind you, if you have missed one of the previous four messages in here, I really encourage you to go back and get those. And if you need the fill-in-the-blank sheets, if that would help you to have that written down, contact the office. We'll get those to you. And we can even fill in the blanks for you. How about that? You know, but uh, we'll, get them, we'll get them to you if you need them because I want you to see they build on one another. And so you need to see them all. And, uh, and, and again, I just uh, before I get into this, I feel like I need to say this. I'm giving you a ton of material covering all of these lessons here. And so when you go to read your Bible, I don't expect that every time that you go to read your Bible, you're going to do all these 90 things. You know what I mean? But there should be some things in here that sometimes you look up, you know, the geography of the region that you're studying about. And then maybe the next day you're looking, you're doing a word study out of that particular passage. And maybe the next day you're looking at, uh, you know, the cultural events surrounding it in that time period or something like that. So what I'm saying is I'm giving you all the tools, but you don't have to use every tool every day. You can pick and choose, and so this is just to help. Now, sometimes I read the scripture, and I get stuck on something. I'll read it, and I'll be like, you know, I... I'm not getting anything out of this. I don't know what it's maybe even talking about. And just questions and going back to questions really helps understand some things. So let's pray, and then we're going to do a quick review of observation, interpretation, and get right into application. Father, we pray tonight. Lord, I pray that you'd help me. I don't want to, I don't want to speak faster than my mind can work. I pray that you'd help me, Lord, tonight 
to have words to say and to have the, uh, or I want to get it out quickly, but I also want people to get the information. So I pray that you'd call my spirit and help us to be listening today to what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We're going to get to James in just a moment, but quickly let's review the past two Bible uh, studies here about digging in and discovering the treasures of the Word of God. So we talked about observation. There's three main components to inductive Bible study. Now, what is inductive Bible study? The, the, it, it's, the definition is right there. It's an investigative form of study used by seeking to discover the facts and details about a text and to draw conclusions about the meaning of a text from the observations. This, you're investigating, okay? So I, I, I told you before, like if we had a crime scene tape just uh, taping off the whole platform here, you know, what, the, what are they doing? At first, they're just observing. They're taking pictures. They're trying to gather all the information. Well, inductive Bible study gathers all the information, interprets it, and gets the meaning out of what the information is telling us. And that's the right type of, of Bible study. So the first thing we want to do with inductive Bible study is observation. And that answers the question, what does the text say? What does it say? Not the text message, okay? The text, the scripture, the Bible, all right? And uh, that's when we saturate ourselves in scripture. So you can ask some questions as you read. You can ask, uh, is it on the, there we go. There's some questions. There's who is writing the book? Who is, so the who, where, when, why, how, and, and all that kind of stuff. Who's writing the book? Who's being written to? Who are the characters? What's happening? What key words and phrases are being used? What is the context? What is the literary genre of the passage? What is the main point? When was the passage written? Does the passage reference time at all? So it gives you time frame there. Uh, where did this take place? Why are certain things being said or done? Why was the passage written? How does it fit into the overall story of the Bible? Good questions to ask there, okay? And then there is interpretation. So you observe the facts, and then you begin to interpret what does the text mean. You've seen what the text says, now what does the text mean? And this is the investigate part. So we saturate, we read it, read it, read it, and then we investigate. A couple things to remember that we learned last time about interpretation. Remember that there is one interpretation and many applications. One, in other words, the Bible means one thing. When Jesus said, and we're going to look here at be doers of the word, and when he said that, he meant one thing. He didn't mean ten things. He meant one. But there, so there is one interpretation, but there are many different applications. And oftentimes what you hear in preaching is you hear uh, interpretation, but, but it's applied differently. And I said before, if all of us in here tonight picked out a Bible passage and studied it, and we took the, the rest of this hour to study it, I guarantee you, even if we all came to the same interpretation, we would most of us come to a different application. We would apply it differently to our own lives, okay? So then the next one there, here's where some blanks are, so fill these in. We also want to make sure that we read the meaning out of the text. Do not read your meaning into the text. That's dangerous. You want to read the meaning out of the text. You don't read the meaning into the text. Now, the two words that I gave you there that no one's going to remember were exegesis and eisegesis, okay? Exegesis means you're 
X out. You're taking it out of the text. Eisegesis means you're reading it in. And again, so, so the difference there is this. Exegesis means I'm looking at the scripture and determining what does this say, and I'm taking the meaning out of the text. Eisegesis, or reading the meaning into the text, is when I say, I've got this idea, and now let me just read this verse and interpret it my own way. That's the incorrect way. We want to make sure that we read what the Bible says and believe what it says, okay? That's the right way. And then follow the principles, and there's a bunch of principles there. And you, if you don't know what those are, you can look at or listen to the message from uh, two weeks ago. And then now we're at the, the last part of this, which is application. And that answers the question, what does the text mean? What does the text mean for my life? So Brother Jesse, before the service, was talking to me, and he said, Pastor, what do you preach on? I said, application of scripture. He said, like a paintbrush. And I said, yes. And I remembered, he's from Pastor Ray's church. And Pastor Ray would have visual aids, okay? We're talking about application, applying it today. And uh, so these are the visual aids. There you go, all right? They're going to fall. That's okay. So what were we talking about? Okay, look, if you have, if you're going to paint your house, all right? And let's just say you have a room in your house you're going to paint. And you go buy the paint, and you've, and you've investigated what is the best paint to buy. And you have it, and you've got it there, and you've got the bare paint from Home Depot, which has the primer built into the paint. And you go, and you get you know, a little thing that you have to open the paint can with, and you make sure you shake it. And you got the stir, and you got everything, you got the, the, got the tarp set out and everything. If you just take that paint into the room and leave it, and you don't apply it, nothing gets done. You can read this book all you want to, but you have got to apply what it says to your life. There should be layer after layer of application of what you have read in your Bible. And that is what God wants. Every day you read, there should be a new layer going on you. You should be looking more and more like Jesus Christ every day, because not just because you're reading it, but maybe what you're missing in life, maybe what you're missing in your Christian life right now, it, it, you're faithful to read, you're faithful to pray, but are you faithful to apply? Are you applying what you're reading? So that's the difference here. Look at James chapter 1, verse 22. Let's see what the Bible says about this. It says in verse 22, but be ye doers of the word. That's, that's applying it. That's putting the paint on the wall. And not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass or a mirror. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. You are blessed when you do. You are blessed when you do what the Bible says. So let's dig into this about application tonight. Application answers the question, what does the text mean for my life? So after you've observed and interpreted, there's another question. It could be, it could be worded this way. After you've read your Bible and you've observed what it says, you've interpreted what it says, the question is, so what? So what? So you've read it and you've interpreted it, so what are you going to do about it? So how are you going to use it? So the question there is, so what? So that's what application is going to help us with. Now write this in, please. In Bible study, the goal is not just information, but transformation. Transformation. And it's the application of the scripture which is going to transform your life. The application where you take it from the page of the book and you put it into your heart, and you put it into practice. 
That is when transformation is taking place, when you're doing what the Word of God says. So application is so important. Your, your lifestyle should be affected by the Bible, not just your beliefs. Oh, you, know, you may read the Bible and say, okay, I believe this now, and I believe what the Bible says here, but it shouldn't just affect your belief, it should affect your lifestyle. And so that's very important. And someone said, don't just get through the Bible, let the Bible get through you. I like that. I like that a lot. R.M. West said, some people mark their Bibles, but their Bible seldom marks them. And that's very true. It's very true. So application is essential, but we have to be careful. Because just like with interpretation and just like with observation, if you do it wrong, it can be dangerous. So how do these people believe like some of these crazy beliefs? How did they get to that point? At some point, either they listened to someone who interpreted wrong or they applied it wrong themselves or something else. And so it is, it, we have to be careful that we're applying it right and, uh, and so we know some principles here, okay? So using what we've learned with observation and interpretation, we can correctly find out what a text is saying, we can find out what it means and how to take it home with us. That's what we're hoping for tonight. So we also know, as, as Bible students in here, which we all should be Bible students, we know that we simply cannot just grab a verse out of the Bible, just randomly grab a verse, take it out of context, and just, you know, make it mean what we want and apply it however we want. That, I hear that so often, and a lot of preaching it has become that, where it is now, I have this thought of something that bothers me, and so I'm going to find this random verse in Scripture, and I'm going to take this verse out, and that's what I'm going to preach on. There may be applications where you can do that, but you better make sure that the interpretation was right. And a lot of times, people have preached things in churches that I don't think are even biblical, because simply, what did they do? They had something they were upset about, and they read into the text what they wanted to see there. And so we have to be so careful about that as Bible students. So with application, we learn how to take the lessons we've learned from these great men and great women in the Bible and bring them into our lives of the 20, 21st century. Here's what I want you to write in that next blank there. Application. Application is what makes the Bible real in our lives. Application. Now, there is like, there, there's this hot topic or hot button word that all modern churches throw around. It's the word relevance. Have you heard relevance? You know, we need relevant Bible preaching. We need, you know, we just need to be relevant, so we need to do things this way. We need to be relevant, so, you know, as if, as if doing things, you know, the, the Bible way is irrelevant, you know. But, but it's relevant. Can I just say, every passage has relevance today? Every passage has relevance today. God has is given us a living book, and it's just as relevant today as it has ever been. So let's get past that, you know, as if... Anyway, I'm not going to go off on that. Okay, let's jump in here. Ways to apply scripture to your life. Here's some... I'm, I'm painting with a broad brush. No pun intended, okay? All right, this is not a brush, but uh, here are some ways... That, that could get you kick-started on applying Scripture to your life. Number one, if you find a good example, follow it. If you find a good example, follow it. Okay, Judas hanged himself. Not a good example. Don't follow it. Saul fell on his sword. Don't do that, all right? Uh, I, I don't recommend you do that. But, but there are good examples in the Bible. Go to 1 Peter, so this is the next book over here. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. There are great examples in the Bible. 
Maybe you're reading Luke chapter 10. And you get to the story of the Good Samaritan and you see there a man that cared for another man that wasn't exactly like him. The Samaritans were outcasts to the Jews and the Gentiles. And here's this Jewish man suffering, another people group, someone not like him. And here goes the religious people by, not bothering to even, you know, turn an eye towards this person, hardly. And the good Samaritan, the Samaritan stops and helps him and binds up his wounds. Is that relevant today or what? Absolutely relevant today. There are people all over our city that don't believe like us at all. There are people, uh, well, we're in the international city. There's people from different people groups everywhere you go. But it doesn't matter where they're from. We're still called to help and give the gospel. So, I mean, there's application everywhere. Uh, Showing incredible kindness. That's a great example. I should follow that example. How about the maniac of Gadara? Okay, don't follow the first part of his example when he's sitting naked in the graveyard, okay? Don't follow that part of the example. But what happens after he gets saved? After he meets Jesus, he gets up and goes and tells everybody he knows. That's a good example. I think maybe we could follow that example. Look at uh, uh, 1 Peter. Let me just remind you this while we're still looking there. Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Why did he do that? You know, they're his, uh, (laughs) he's serving others, he's serving the people closest to him, he's serving people that are following him, and it just shows, Jesus was showing their servant leadership, you're a leader, but you should be serving the people that follow your leadership even, so there's example after example, and if you see one and you spot it, follow it, look what Jesus says in 1 Peter 2.21, 1 Peter 2.21, for even hereunto were ye called, Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. So what's the example? He's following this example. Who did no sin? Well, we're going to sin, but we should try not to. Neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled or slandered, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. He committed himself to him that judges righteously. For who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by by whose stripes ye were healed. So Jesus, in verse 21, left us an example. Follow it. You want to apply scripture? Look at what Jesus did. Follow it. Self-sacrifice. All those things. Number two, if you find a warning, listen to it. If you find a warning in the scripture, heed it. Listen to it. So, you read the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is full of warnings. You read chapter 5, you read chapter 7, you read other chapters. And, and there's a lot of, uh, I'll just pick one, even in chapter 2 as well, where it talks about flattery. It warns about flattery. Well, what's the difference between flattery and praise? Flattery is always for the benefit of the person doing it. In other words, if I'm flattering someone, I am telling them how great they are because I have an ulterior motive. I want something back. And so that's what flattery is. Praise and encouragement benefit the recipient. Flattery benefits me. I'm going to flatter because I want something out of this. I'm buttering you up because I want you to give me something. Or it could be a man-woman interaction there, and you're just trying to flatter because you want something out of that relationship. And uh, so that's the difference there. But when the Bible warns about that, man, we should take notice of that. And we should, okay, I need to be careful when someone's, when someone's pumping me up or whatever it is or someone's giving me praise or whatever and I need to stop and say, okay, hold on. I need to be really careful that I don't believe everything people say. 
You know, because that's the danger. People can tell us how amazing we are, and you can start to believe them. And that's the problem, right? But uh, uh, so warnings like that that you see in Scripture, you take and you grab that, and you say, okay, I'm going to listen to that warning. There are warnings in the Bible about false teachers. False teachers. Uh, snares of the devil. There are warnings about specific sins like pride. Warning after warning after warning about pride. So when you hear those things or you read those things, listen to it. Take heed to it. So that's a great way to apply it. So maybe you're reading it and you see, you know, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Uh, only by pride cometh contention. Uh, all those different verses about pride or whatever it may be, and uh, or humble thyself in the sight of God. All of those verses, and maybe you should say, you know what, I want to be careful today about pride. What does pride look like in my life? And you're asking questions. How do I show pride? You know, when I go to work, am I proud? Can I take correction? Am I just doing my own thing? I don't follow what the boss says. You, know, you begin to internalize that, and then you begin to say, okay, I'm going to take heed today that I don't show pride. And when someone reviles me, I'm not going to revile back again. If someone slanders me, I'm not going to slander back. I'm not going to, not going to cast stones if people throw stones at me. That type of stuff is what will change your life. So taking heed to warnings that you see. Number three, okay, if you find a command, what? Obey it. Obey it. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, let me read it for you. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, clamor is like loud yelling, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Did you hear any commandments in there? There were a lot. Let those things, let bitterness and wrath be put away from you. Absolutely, that's a command. Be ye kind one to another. That doesn't leave any interpretation for anything else other than be kind to each other. How about tenderhearted? How about forgiving one another? So we're commanded to forgive. You're commanded to be kind. So when you read things like that, stop and say, okay, I'm reading this command. Am I obeying this command? That's a command in Scripture. Am I obeying it? Now, Ephesians is rich with commands, but some passages may not have any commands. But you keep an eye out for these things. You keep an eye out for a warning. You keep an eye out for uh, um, an example or for a command. How about number four? If you find a promise, believe it. If you find a promise, believe it. Claim it. After we observe and, and interpret, we should be able to, if we're observing and interpreting right, we should be able to determine which promises apply to us. Because not every promise in the Bible applies to us today as Gentile believers, okay? But, but there are, are many and so as we, as we see those, we should claim it. We should believe the promises of God. Okay, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Should we believe that? Absolutely. Believe that promise. And then go look up what those words mean. And it, it'll surprise you what some of those words mean in there, what he's really saying. How about four, uh, Philippians 4, 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Uh, is God going to do that? So let's interpret these things and let's claim some promises. 2 Peter 1.4 tells us that God has given us exceeding great and precious promises. How about uh, for, uh, 2 Corinthians 1.20? For all the promises of God in him, in Christ, are yea, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. 
And what, what that verse is basically saying is that all the things promised through a Redeemer will be fulfilled. All of the Old Testament and New Testament promises will be fulfilled for us in Jesus Christ. It's a certainty that God will fulfill and come through on his promises. Okay? So those are just a, a couple quick ways where uh, you, when you see something in Scripture, you take it and you ask the questions in your own heart and mind. Let's get to the next part here. When is your life changed through application? Two things. Two things tonight, and we'll go home. Number one, your life will be changed when you learn to meditate on God's word. When you learn to meditate on God's word. Go with me quickly to the book of Joshua, chapter 1. Joshua, chapter 1. You probably already know where I'm going, but I want you to see it. Joshua, chapter 1. And then it's marked on your sheet there, Psalm 1 as well. But uh, you don't have to go there. I'll read that in a moment. Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. And again, this is God speaking to Joshua about the book of the law. But is the application not the same to us, that God will bless us by reading scripture? Absolutely. So this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. What does Psalm 1, 1 and 2 say? Uh, verse 2 says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. So uh, we're seeing in Scripture again and again, meditate, meditate, okay? And, and, and in case you have missed this, meditation is not where you cross your legs and sit on a rock somewhere up high and do this with your hands. That's, just, that's not the same meditation. The word meditate in the Bible means to ponder, to think, to give serious thought and, and consideration to information, to reflect deeply. That's what meditation is. Uh, it's an amazing thing if, if you look up the word meditation because the, the, the word that it comes from means to mutter, like to, to, to mutter under your breath. And so it could imply speaking to yourself in low tones, like revealing, like a reviewing material. It's just you're walking and you're just kind of repeating it to yourself over and over and over again, thinking and thinking. That's because uh, it's actually translated that way many times uh, uh, in other passages of, of mutter, uh, uttering or talking. And some theologians believe the scripture, a lot of times that scripture was often read out loud, like in, in a low volume or in a whisper, during people's time of meditation, I don't know, but it's talking there about pondering, about thinking, about talking it over as you're walking around or, or as you're sitting there and you're just ruminating on it over and over again. You're thinking, you're thinking, okay? So help me out here. In Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, I won't take time to turn there, but it says, and be transformed by the renewing of your what? Of your mind. So how does God's word transform your mind? Well, you have to be thinking about it. And when, listen, this is, this is the key to so many things. If God, if you will let God transform your mind, your behavior will change. I, I've told you throughout the whole book of Philippians, we're almost done. We got, this, this Sunday is our last lesson of the book of Philippians. Throughout the whole thing, the mind is so focused on, but it's not just there, it's through scripture. Throughout scripture, if we could just give God control in our mind and let him clean up our thoughts, let him kick out the strongholds that are there, let him get out all the lies that we're believing and just clean all that out, I'm telling you what, we would have such a more victorious Christian life. 
But the problem is we are lied to thousands of times every single day by the devil. And we've got to let God renew our minds and transform our life through that, uh, through that renewal through Scripture. Okay, And that happens... How, how, how do you break down these lies and strongholds you've believed for so long? How do you get past the addictions and, and all these different things that you're facing? You have to have a complete change of mind about some things. And you only get that by meditating and thinking through Scripture and obeying the Scripture, right? So it, it's so important. So as you're reading, maybe here's some questions you could ask yourself, okay? What does this mean for my life? You've read a text. You, you understand what it's saying. But now you're saying, what does that mean for my life? Okay, write this in. How about this? What did I learn? What did I learn? There are a couple passages of Scripture in the Bible that disturb me when I read them. A couple in the book of Judges. A couple other places that when I read them, it's disturbing because of the sin and things that are going on. And there's a couple other passages, and I think it's Ezekiel or Hosea, where God uses some graphic language. And, I mean, I, I would be embarrassed to preach some of that on a Sunday morning. I have to be careful because some of the language that's used. And, and, but, but you read that and you say, well, what's God saying there? And God is saying, I, the hurt that I feel is just like the hurt that this person. And he goes into some things. And you have to figure out what am I learning from this passage? What lesson? What example? What promise? What command? Okay? So what did I learn? Number three, what does this passage challenge me to do? Now, what I would recommend for you um, is, you know, you're not going to just remember all of these things. If you have, and I think you ought to have a notebook or a notepad dedicated for Bible study. If you want to put a lock and key on it or whatever, you know, I don't think anyone's going to read it. But if you, if you want to secure it that way or whatever you can, maybe get a piece of paper that fits inside of it and write some of these questions on it. And so that way, when you open it up and you've read your Bible, you've got questions there that you can just answer. And so now you're seeing the question, you read the text, and now you're saying, what does this mean for my life? And you're writing down an answer. Or what did I learn today? You're writing down an answer. What does it challenge me to do? You're writing down an answer. How about this one? What can I, how can I use what I have learned in my life today? How can I use what I've learned? In my life today, how can I use what I learned? What can I start doing? What can I stop doing? Okay, that is part of the meditation. How about this? Have I been guilty of not obeying God in this area. Have you ever asked yourself that question as you, read, as you read scripture? Have I been guilty of not obeying this? And if you have been, confess it, get it right, and start doing it. Because I tell you what, that's transformation right there. That's applying the scripture. And that's change. Okay, here's a good one to ask yourself after you read a passage of scripture. How will I think differently? How will I think differently? Maybe you read about the blessing of the Lord that maketh, maketh rich and he addeth no sorrow with it. And you're like, man, you know what? God has been blessing me. And every time God blesses me, there's no sorrow that comes with it. It's just blessing. But every time the world blesses me, I wind up with regret and scars. And so, you know what? I want to start thinking differently. I want God's blessings. I don't want the world. And you're beginning to see a change in your life when you do that. And look, I'm going to tell you this. It's not going to happen one day. It's not going to happen, you get up tomorrow, you read the Bible, and oh, my life has changed forever. It, it may. What you're going to see is just like when little babies are growing up. One day they're this big, and the next they're this. And you're like, what happened? And it seemed like it was just a day or a week. No, no, no. It was slow growth for a long time. For a long time. 
And that's what it's going to be in your life as you study the scripture. You, you won't notice it, David. You're not going to wake up and be like, man, I'm so much more spiritual today than I was yesterday. Okay? That's not how it works. But you may notice, hey, this year I know a lot more than I did last year. Man, look at where I was a year ago. I, I used to still think this or do this. And you'll see that through time. Okay? Now, as you're reading, it could be one word or one phrase that sticks out. You could be reading and one word keeps sticking out to you. One phrase keeps sticking out. It could be something else completely different the Holy Spirit brings to your mind. But be, be thinking. We cannot be in a rush. God's not in a hurry. So if you're in a hurry, God, hurry up and speak to me. i got 10 minutes before i got to go to work. No, that's not how it works. Maybe take that thing and, and, and you're, when you're in your car, instead of listening to the news, which, by the way, I'm just going to help you out, it's bad news, whatever it is, okay? It's, it's, we're all falling apart. It's terrible, all right? That's, that's the news for tomorrow, okay? But uh, maybe cut that off and begin to think on your way. What did I just read? Okay, what does that mean for me? How can I use that at work today or whatever, okay? That's just a, a thought for you. And then the other way your life will be changed is not just when you begin to think on it, but when you learn to do what you know from the Word of God, when you learn to do what you know. Now, remember Joshua 1, 8, where we're at. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein that, uh, day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein. So doing the word of God is so important. Uh, you know, be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. So that is when life change happens. When you read the word and choose not to do what it says, the Bible says you are deceiving yourself. You're deceiving yourself. Be a doer of the, uh, of the word and not hear is only deceiving your own selves. Every time you read and choose not to obey scripture, you are deceiving yourself a little bit more and more. You are adding to those lies in your mind that, again, takes so long to clear out. But every time you read scripture and you ignore it or say, I don't like that, I know I'm doing this, but I want to keep doing it, so I'm just going to ignore that. Every time you do that, you're deceiving yourself. How are you deceiving yourself? You may be deceiving yourself into thinking that, oh, there's no consequences or God doesn't see, or whatever. There's many different lies the devil will have you believe. So be very careful that when you read scripture, you do what it says. That's where the rubber meets the road. So many people can be good at observation, and they can be good at interpretation. But when it comes to obeying what the Bible said, that's where a lot of people fall off. I know a lot of people that are very smart, and they can interpret the Bible, they can observe it, interpret it, but when it comes to actually obeying it, that's where life change happens. I mean, they can teach lessons and they can go on the internet and criticize everybody else. But when you look at their life, they're not doing anything. They know it, but they're not doing anything. That's, that's not going to help you. you know, that's not going to transform you. The doing is the most important part. Your life is not transformed simply by knowing it. Write this in. It is transformed by doing what you know. Did you know that God blesses you when you do his word and you didn't even know you're supposed to do it? He's blessing you. You're just obeying it, and you don't even know that that's what he said. And, and he's just blessing you because you're doing it. And uh, so uh, your, your life is not transformed just simply by knowing, but by doing what you know you're supposed to do. And then two last blanks here. Doing what the Bible says, that's when the Bible marks you. That's when the Bible marks you. You can be marking up your Bible during interpretation and observation, but the Bible really places its stamp on you when you're doing what it says. Because that's what God wants to see, and that's how God's plan of transformation happens in your life. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and you're not obeying it, how can he transform you? 
How can he sanctify you? How can he get you to where you're supposed to be if you're consistently saying no or you're not reading the scripture enough to apply it? You know, so every single day, you're applying a new, a, a new coat of paint every single day, but you're making yourself stronger. You're making your life stronger, and you're becoming more like Christ when you do that. So this week, I hope, I hope there are some things in here you could take and use in your Bible study. And again, maybe it's just to take a piece of paper and write some questions on it so that when you get stuck, you can go back and say, okay, what did this mean? What did I learn? And those different things, okay? But this week, here it is, let's, and here's the word again, apply. Let's apply what we have learned from these lessons. And then I would just ask, which study tips are you going to start using in your daily time with God? You know what that question is right there? It's trying to get you to think, to meditate, and to say, what am I going to start doing? That's why every week I have those questions there, to try to give you something to think about and do. I've always done it. Why do I do that? Because I know if I can get you to think on it and do it, your life will be changed. Not to benefit me, to benefit you. And so I hope you'll take some of these things tonight and use them in your life. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the transformation that you uh, do in our lives when we just dig into the word and begin to think on it and obey it.